Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As you listen, ask questions, and enjoy the show, remember, this podcast is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today's guest is a phenomenal woman of God. She has been involved in ministry for over 21 years. She is now the lead pastor alongside her husband at the Church Teaching Center in Columbia, South Carolina. She is the owner of Restyle by Nows, a online retail boutique for women. She is the founder of Not On My Watch Ministry as well as the author of Becoming God's Dream Woman. Elevated Voices Podcast would like to give a sanctified welcome to Pastor Teresa Niles. Hey, Pastor T, how are you? I am excellent. That's good. So I have had the opportunity of reading your amazing book. And one of the main themes in your book is moving from pain to power purpose, and passion. So can you tell us a little bit about the groundwork for your book and the inspiration? Yes. So I've been in ministry about 22 years. And during this time, I found myself ministering to women of all ages. And I found that a lot of women um, had found themselves stuck in a place of pain. They found themselves stuck because their hearts had been broken. Maybe they had dealt with rejection, abuse, molestation, depression, and so many other things. And so although there may have been women in Christ, there were women that were stuck. And so encouraging them that you can come out of this, that you can rise above this, that there's more to life than what you're dealing with right now. I found myself in that place, not having a father directly related in my life, living through that and experiencing what I would call rejection kind of led me down some paths from being a rebellious teen to being a teenage mom to being married at a very young age. And so some of those experiences were painful, but I decided instead of growing bitter, I would become better um, to press toward the mark to help other women And I chose to use some of those things that I went through as opportunities to grow. The scripture says, once you're strengthened, reach back and strengthen your brothers. So this is my reach back and to move from that place of pain, that place of hurt to a place of power, which means to me strength, a place of purpose, which I take as moving into my destiny, my call, my reason for being in the earth. And passion is being passionate about what I've been called to do. You said the call, and I know in your book on page 24, it was a prophecy that took place. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So I visited a particular ministry in Union, saw this particular pastor at a uh, revival there, and I decided to visit his church, and I did. And he 
um, began to speak into my life and told me that God was going to use my mouth for his glory. To know me is to know that I've always been a talker in school. It was one of the things that was always on my report card. She's a good student, but she talks during class or, you know, and that was always tried to be redirected. In visiting this particular ministry, I definitely wasn't expecting that word. In my church that I grew up in, women did not dare to enter the pulpit unless they were taking water or answering, um, you know, something that the pastor um, needed. That that particularly wasn't the call. That was just foundation to say that God could use me. The call particularly came some years later to preach the gospel, but that was just reaffirming that God could use me. I didn't believe that I was who God said that I was because I saw where I had come from and I saw where I was, but I also saw where I had to get to. And But this time caused me to draw closer to God. It caused me to become more uncomfortable with my carnal ways. It made me say, no, I'm not living like this. I'm not doing this. My conversation has changed. My relationships have to change. And through these experiences, he let me know that I can use you. I want to use you. And you've resisted me and my ways and my thoughts, but I've called you and I sanctified you from your mother's womb. and I made you who you are. And so I believe that those experiences gave me the platform that I have today. And I'm able to minister with transparency, with openness, but with so much love because I've been in that place where the people that I'm ministering to are now sitting. Right. And speaking of love, in your book, the first few chapters, you address the struggle with love. And that was stemming from the relationship that you had with your father. Because of that lack of love or acceptance, I resented myself. I kind of looked at my self-worth and my self-love based on his love towards me. And every time that I thought that it would happen, it didn't. So I found myself not loving the person that God had made me. But, you know, when you look at Devotion 6 and it says God showing his love for us and because of his love, he gave us his only son. He sent him in the world that we may live through him. And to love my father, I had to first forgive my father. I had to forgive him from the times that he wasn't there. I had to forgive him for the times that he didn't call. He didn't show up for special events. He didn't show up for graduation, my wedding, the birth of my son. But when I learned to receive the love of God and how many times I had failed him, but yet he still loved me, I had to learn to forgive the failures of others and give the same love and forgiveness that the Heavenly Father had, he had given to me. In the book, I talk about my father being on his deathbed and how his wife called me and they were about an hour and a half to two hours from me in the middle of the night. She called and said he had had an aneurysm and things didn't look good. Though he had not been there for me time and time again, because of who God had been for me and the love that he had shown me, I got up out of my bed. I drove to Charleston, South Carolina. I was beside his bed. I was praying for him. I shared the prayer of salvation with him. He squeezed my hand. And those were his last words that he heard me praying, making sure that he knew God and he accepted him as his savior before he took his last breath. That's love. Because many would say he didn't, he didn't deserve that or that wasn't owed to him. But because Jesus paid it all, 
it was owed to him, not through me. Right. And you mentioned something that is very essential, which is forgiveness. That's hard. When someone has wronged you, when someone has hurt you, and it's not one time or two times, but if this has been an ongoing thing, that's very difficult too. And you hold on to all of that, that pain, you know, it's basically you, you, you're suffering mm-hmm. internally and that tends to link or transition to depression, anxiety. And for some people, it's almost a trauma of being hurt or betrayed. So can you speak a little bit about the lack of the relationship that you had with your father and how that impacted your mental health? I'm going to say it leaves a wound. And sometimes a wound begins to heal and then a situation would happen and it would seem like it would be ripped open all over again. I did deal with some anxiety issues, some depression as a young lady, not having my father, which caused some rebellion and caused me to accept whatever came through in relationships. So with my mental health, I believe that it was probably something that was not addressed as a teenager. It was probably something that I began to look at as I got older and I had children, but I found myself through that. There were scars and those scars or wounds often cause pain, which caused me sometimes not to be able to focus on things that I needed. I'm looking for something. And when I, when I think about the mental part of it, I think about somebody looking for something in everybody else, but they're not able to give it to you. So it begins to even bring you more pain because you're wondering why they won't give you this thing that you are looking for, but they can't because they don't have it. And they're not the person that's supposed to give it to you. If you were otherwise healthy in your mental and your emotional state, you may have not chosen these things or these relationships. But because those things play a big part, you find yourself in places with people doing things that you thought you would never do. Right. I'm going to to take your situation then and apply it to young girls and young women today. This is something that they are dealing and struggling with on a day-to-day basis and trying to fill that void and trying to chase after love. And like you said, you're finding it in all the wrong places. And and when you're looking for a person to to fill that gap, instead of looking for something that holds a higher power, you Mm -hmm. fail every time. Yeah. When I think about young women, um, you know, the book is Becoming God's Dream Woman, Determined, Responsible, Empowered, Amazing, Mature Woman of God. When you're in it, you don't understand it. And when you're in it, it does not feel good to you and doesn't look like it's going to work for you. But I would challenge them to trust not in your own abilities, in your own plans, but trust in a plan that God has for you. And the plan don't just show up when you're an adult. God is making plans now for your life. And all the pieces of the puzzle connects together. And because I didn't realize this, I strayed from the path that God had for me so many times. But if I had to challenge young women and women my age as well, learn to trust and and rely completely on God. Like he is your strength. He is your compass. He's your direction. Oftentimes I found that 
in this world, we're taught to rely completely on ourselves and on others. But I would just challenge you, regardless of who left you, my dad wasn't there. You know, I went through a divorce. I had a husband to die. Relationships that wasn't healthy. But one thing that I've learned and going through that I can tell you while you're in it or before you go in it is that you can trust and completely rely on God. He will always be there. I'm going to play the devil's advocate for a little bit. I have heard people say, how can someone have so much faith in a man or a person or or even a woman? Because we don't know if God is a man or a woman, right? How can you rely and put all of your faith in something that you have never seen before? How can you do that? Well, you have to know where you came from. You have to know that when you were in your darkest moment, it wasn't you that brought you out. You have to know. And first of all, you have to experience God. I've seen God heal. I've seen God deliver. I've seen God in my own life being in such a a broken place. And so if you just read the Bible for words, just like any other book you read, but if you don't tap into the spirit of what you're reading, then you will never know who God is. But I know God because I know where I was and, and what I went through. People say, well, why did God have to allow you to go through that for you to become? It's just like my son. I gave him one car. I gave him another car and he never paid anything. It wasn't until he invested in his own car that he could appreciate what he had. So my relationship is this. Because of what I went through and what I came out of, I can't go back to that life anymore because I paid the price to be where I am. Jesus paid it all. But because of what I went through and I know what God has brought me out of time and time again, I heard somebody say, well, you you haven't seen him. I don't need to see him. I can feel him. I know the spirit of the Lord. Like when you said the, the pastor um, prophesied, he had never he had never seen me. I saw him when he was at the other church and he was preaching, but he didn't see me. I visited his church. How did he know that I was a talker? He didn't know I was a talker. We were in the middle of service. So he didn't know me. So it had to be the spirit of the Lord to tell him that I talked and that God wanted to use my voice or my mouth as a mouthpiece for the kingdom of God. And so you have to see God not in a form of a person or because he's not a person. You say he that worship him must worship him in spirit in and truth. He's a spirit. And so you got to believe it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things you don't see. You may not see it, but I dare you to try God. And if you try him and believe the word that you read, apply it to your life, you'll see the manifestation of what I have spoken and written. And I'm glad that you brought up the word faith because that's what it boils down to is being able to understand faith, being able to step out on faith and being able to steadfast in your faith because we're all humans. We're not spirits. That's a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. God is powerful, right? He will never compare to him. When you think about that, And when someone challenges it and someone say, well, I I just don't believe you spoke to it and you said, well, you have to have that connection. 
you have to, you know, be there that that faith component has to be there and you have to be open to hearing him. Can we go back to something you just said? You you said that that God is spirit, right? And I said that he that worship him must worship him in in spirit and in truth. And so you said that the Lord is spirit and second Corinthians says that the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And you said the power, now the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives in us. We just got to tap into that power. John 4, 24 says God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. And so although we're in this world, we're not of this world, we're made in the image and the likeness of God, meaning that we are spirit, you know, mind, body, and spirit. So though we walk in this flesh, when we die, this flesh is going back to the ground. The spirit is going back to heaven. And so it is the spirit that must connect with the spirit. The flesh will never understand the spirit. And so if you're trying to understand him in this flesh, it'll never be done. So how do someone have that connection and understand God in that spiritual realm? I believe to understand God in that in the realm of the spirit is you got to you got to read his word. You got to understand it. You got to become it. You got to go through something. You know, most people that has a connection with God, they have been through something. And they know that it was only God that could have brought them through. Things that I've gone through, I have a relative that went through some of the same things that I've gone through. She's an alcoholic. She couldn't deal with the thing that I dealt with. She turned to alcohol. I have another friend that she dealt with depression and suicidal thoughts. But it's because different people turn to different things. They turn to the things of the world. I turned to the word. I said, you know what? I didn't try to drink it. I didn't try to club. I tried all that. It didn't help me. So I'm going to go back to what my grandma taught me, what my mama taught me as a little girl. And when I went back to the foundation, it was where I found my healing. It is where, where I was able to forgive my dad. It was where I was able to go back and tell my son's father, you know, and we divorced. Whatever I did wrong, I'm sorry. Like I was able to say to him, forgive me. Like I was able to move past bitter and hurt and want to hurt somebody because I felt like they hurt me. So um, when you tap into who he is, the pain that I felt, none of that even mattered. Like, to be honest with you, when I first came into Jesus, none of, nothing changed. I mean, my financial situation was still the same. My relationship situation was still the same. Being a, a single mom was still the same. None of that changed. But what changed was me and my perspective how I was going to move from pain to power, purpose, and passion. You said a lot. And so I just want to take a step back and just follow up on some things that you pointed out with your statement. Everybody goes through something in life and everybody copes differently. Some people cope with the materials of life, which is the alcohol, which is money, which is sex, which is whatever that may be. And some people lean towards tapping into the spiritual component of being able to cope. So meditation, yoga, being grounded, and then having that higher power, whatever someone's higher power is. And for you, it's God. On page 87 of your book, you said, 
the words of God became my daily therapy. Speak a little bit about that. It became my meat and bread. It became what I ate every day. When I got up in the morning, I read the word or I listened to the word. I had it on um, audio. We had the a Bible on CD. When I wrote to work, at work, when I could, I put my headphones in. In order for me to get from one place to my next place, I had to be in the word. I had gone through uh, my husband dying. I was dealing with depression. I was battling through my own situation. I was saved when my husband died. I loved God. I was preaching the gospel. But when that blow came, I just wasn't ready. But again, he began to show me all over again who he was in my life. Nothing had changed because my husband died. Nothing had changed. And when I prayed to the Lord, he began to tell me my call for you, my my promises to you. Nothing has changed. And so the scripture says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So the word began to illuminate where God would have me to go. I moved from the place of anger, bitterness, you know, frustration, rage, sadness, um, depression, things that I, I had allowed to attach itself to me over the years. I learned that I could be real with God and that nothing, nothing would ever separate me from him and him from me. Nothing would separate me from his love. So I just want to, you know, encourage the listeners that God loves you. He made you to look like him. He created you in his image, in his likeness. And daily, he is in pursuit of our relationship with him. He gave his only begotten son for you and that you can be reconciled with him. My past is just that, my past. And it cannot, will not ever separate me from God and his love. That's powerful. And I hope that the listeners take that and internalize it to whatever they they need, they take from that statement. Because everybody don't believe. And we're not trying to push God on anyone. We're not trying to convert anyone. That's not what this podcast is about. We're just sharing the testimony. I mean, this is your testimony here in your book. And that's not even half of it because there are so many other things that has transpired in your life. Yeah. So I'll say this. Elevated voices may not be trying to push God on anybody, but that's my call and that's my purpose. That's why I believe that God brought me out and, and that's why he set me apart. And everybody, as you said, are not believers. And, and, I, and I understand and I respect, you know, that. And I respect those that are called in those areas as well. But as for me, I've been called to share the good news of the gospel. And so I just want to encourage people to keep pressing through, keep believing. And and as you said, I put the words on paper because I needed people to know that if God did it for me, he'll do it for you. And sometimes you'll doubt. Sometimes I doubt. But in your doubting time, as, as you said, through meditation, through reading your word, through getting before God and believing him and knowing that for such a time as this, he's chosen you and he will love you until eternity. And I wanted to say this too really quickly. You know, many of us have seen and experienced things in life. It caused me to turn to God. It may have caused you to turn from God. And so I just say, you know, just hang in there. 
Just hang in there. I've heard the opposite, as you said. People say, well, if God loved me, why did he allow this to happen? Why did this happen in my life? And I'll tell you, if you spend time with him and allow him to show you the why and what he's going to do, I think, you know, the story of Joseph, where the enemy meant for his bad, God turned it around, worked it for his good, and it was to save much people that were ahead of him. You may see where you are now, but you don't know who you're going to see and going to need what you have down the road. One of the things that I admire about you is that you are an amazing woman of God, but you said this several times is that God distinguished you from, he set you aside from other people. And one of the things that stands out from you that I have seen in others, sometimes they get too deep with it. And them being too deep turns someone off to wanting to know more about God and wanting to to learn more about his word. And I have seen it happen many times is that, you know, people say, oh, I don't, you know, is this what being a Christian is like? This is how I have to, you know, live my life. I have to breathe, sleep and eat God all day long, just every single day, nonstop and be so focused in my Bible. And that's a turnoff to some people. Yes. Well, it's about like you're trying to introduce steak to a three month old baby. He cannot eat it. He doesn't, he or she does not have teeth to eat it. What you have to do is take people where they are, know that God's word has power. When you keep them in the midst of your heart, the word becomes um, life. It's like healing. And so you have to give people the word. Where they are, I'm very simple. You know, I'm very transparent. Um, people get discouraged because I don't understand. It's not like, you know, when you're trying to give a kid medicine and it doesn't taste well, they don't want it, right? Because it doesn't taste good. And if you notice that when doctors give kids medicine, they give them medicine that tastes sweet, something that they want. Well, in order to, to win people to Christ and get them where they're more hungry for the word of God, that they will want to go deeper, you have to give them the the simplicity of the gospel. When I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And so just sharing the love of Christ, starting right there, letting them know that God loves you, he's with you, he cares for you, and giving them the simplicity of the gospel. You know, and a lot of people come in straight, fire and brimstone. That's not me either, because if I got to scare you to serve the God that I that I serve, scare you to serve the God that I preach, teach, and live, then I'm going to have to keep scaring you for you to stay there. And so what I want to teach people is to live the life of an overcomer, you know, a life that you serve God with joy, you serve God with peace, Um, you move from a place of pain, you move from a place of rebellion, hurt, sin, to a place of power, purpose, passion, because of your love for God and God's love for you. And it ain't complicated. It's not complicated. It's not. It, it is it, it is simple. And I, I brought that up because, you know, I hear it a lot. A lot of people, they connect healing again with a spiritual component, but also in therapy, you see it a lot. People have that foundation and they want that connection. And I think that over the years, our traditions, when it comes to the church and the roles that the church play and how they 
educate other people about God and his goodness, his greatness, his his mercy, it has changed. And people are out there, they're looking, they just haven't found the right person, mm-hmm. the right word, the right thing to lead them to where they need to be. So you said on page 36 of your book, you said, God will use your pain to bring healing to someone else. You are actually currently working on a project right now, and you're actually using that project to do just that. And the project that I'm referring to is, you know, you're not on my watch ministry. How did that come about? Simply, I woke up one morning and the Lord shared something in my spirit about going live and I want you to share this. And I went live and I shared just what I heard God say. Um, There were some people that came on, one particular young lady said the word was life changing. And if I would do that each morning, she would come on. That was three months ago. And I've been on every Monday through Friday since that point. We're out in the community. We are women learning to pray, men learning to be men. My husband is working with with men on, on once a month on Saturday, but men are watching with us on Monday through Friday. And they're learning about God's love and becoming whole. And so with that project, it's just really Ashika just sharing the story of pain, power, purpose, and passion, like really just being real. People want people to be real. Yeah. People want you listen. Daniel and the Lions did a good Bible read, but people want to know your story. What did God bring you from? What did he deliver you from? And daily we hear women sharing or men sharing. You know, I've been in prison. I was in prison too. I had an addiction. I'm battling an addiction now. I went through a bad divorce. I am in a place now, custody battle. All these things. And people are able to be transparent about what they've been through. Not only have I been able to move from pain to power, purpose, and passion? Now people are being raised up under my leadership to also help people move from pain, power, purpose, and passion. I never had an addiction. So I don't know. I've never been to prison. I don't know. But listen, because I've been open and so transparent with my struggles, people are now willing to share in a Facebook group or a Zoom chat, the realness of what they've been through in front of people that they don't know and they've never met. So that project, that ministry that God has birthed, because I was going to go on that one morning and I was done. And, you know, 90 plus days later, it's still going strong. Wow. I can say that I'm looking forward to seeing how your ministry will change the world. I feel that you know, you have an awesome spirit and you're right. You're not afraid to share that with other people. You're not uh, afraid to say, hey, if you drop the pastor from off my name, I'm still Teresa Niles. That's it. But, you know, let's let's take this title, you know, let's take that veil off. And I want you to see me because at the end of the day, that's all I have is me. And I'm the person with this experience. But this experience is not dictating me as a person. That's right. And how you have grown and how you are continuing to grow and share your struggles with others, but then allowing other people to see you 
you're you're winning. You know, they, they're gravitating towards you. You didn't even have to ask them. You don't even have to beg them. They are gravitating towards you. They want what you have to say. Yes. When I think about God, when I think about him being a good, good father, that's what happens. Like, God is not a tyrant. He's not one that pushes himself on you. He said, ask, seek, and knock. Knock and the door should be open. But he's a gentleman. He's going to knock on the door of your heart and say, will you let me in? He gives us free will and free choice. He's a loving father who is calling on you. He's calling on me to take upon the yoke and learn of him so that we'll have rest for our soul. And so, you know, let's continue to study the word together, grow in the word together. You know, spend time in prayer and live a life full of praise and full of worship. And as as you said, Ashika, the title doesn't mean anything to me because the title doesn't make me. I make the title. So it doesn't matter what you call me. I'm a woman of God and I'm ready to see all this. those that don't know their purpose. First of all, I don't come, like you said earlier, I got to meet your your natural needs first before I can even address your spiritual needs. So when I come, I don't even come as a pastor unless somebody introduced me. But when I come, I come as a person that's willing to help you get from where you need to be. You don't have to be a pastor to show love. You don't have to be a pastor to help somebody. You don't have to be a pastor to share your story. You don't have to be a pastor to encourage somebody. And sometimes people will receive it more easily from somebody who don't come with all of these titles and facades and all of this, because I believe that creates barriers. Right. People feel like they got to act a certain way because of this. I want to go and I want to see you in your environment. Yes. You know, that's why, that's how I know how to pray for you. Because if you're trying to be something that's not real, then I don't really know who you are, you know? So I'll just add that little tidbit there. But that's a great point. And again, just being able to meet someone where they are, despite of what mass they're trying to put on or role they're trying to play or, yeah, you know, I'm looking for what's deep down inside. That's where I'm trying to get to the root of that. That's it. And then once you're able to get in, God will do the work on the heart. I don't do the work. The spirit does the work. So it's just building a relationship. And once you build a relationship and people see who you are, they're more open to receive who you serve. So it's like, I just want a normal person. I just want a friend. And then you're being a friend and you say, well, I listen to this particular broadcast every day. But what is it? They're more apt to listen because you share and you're a friend. And so they take what you give as something important or something that they can receive. And it's just really that simple. That's how you share. That's how you share the gospel. I like how you simplified that. And how I internalized that was, it's all about what you're putting in. And we have to be very careful about what we read and what we see and what we are internalizing in our mind. And I'm going to go back just a few to what you said, God's word being your daily therapy and being able to open yourself up to more positive things and being able to step out on more positive things. But again, feeding yourself. If we don't feed ourselves, we we fail, we fail to thrive, right? 
So how are you feeding yourself? What are you putting in? And it's just like when you're eating, you know, what are you putting into your body? When you take the word of God and you are reading and you're praying and you're fasting, you're putting that into yourself. You are investing into yourself, into your spiritual role. And I, I like the way that you put that and you you simplified that. So thank you for that. You're welcome. So Pastor T, I know you and I can be here all night long talking about God and what he has done in your life. And I can also say what he has done in my life and many more other things. If someone wants to know a little bit more about you and about what you do, how can they reach you? Instagram is Mornings with Pastor T. Facebook is Word with Pastor T. And YouTube is Morning Word with Pastor T. My email is Teresa D. Niles at Gmail. Well, listeners, you have heard it directly from Pastor T. She is a phenomenal woman of God. She is transparent. She is open and she is out to win souls, guys. So email her. She is here for you. Thank you, Pastor T, for being on Elevated Voices. I really appreciate all of your knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices Podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.